Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. This week, my guest is Paul Ince, aka Biz Paul. Paul runs a digital agency called Like Mind Media, and yeah, they're pretty good, but that's not what makes Paul stand out. Paul and his agency decided to market their business a little differently, hosting a marketing conference which put them at the centre of a network which now drives virtually all their new business and growth. So, welcome along and let's meet Biz Paul. Biz Paul, aka Paul Ince, um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for making some time for me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Bob. Paul, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit, for those who don't know you, and there probably aren't very many now, uh, a little bit about who you are, what you do and the kind of work you do. Sure. Um, that's very flattering, by, by the way. <laughs> I never I never quite think that anyone knows who I am. And then when someone uh, shouts my name in the street, that was really odd. It's only happened the once, mind. Um, so, so, yeah, so I'm Biz Paul. I am, I guess, a marketing professional. Um, I'm based uh, in Loughborough, actually, in the UK, uh, which is a reasonably large market town um full of students full of sporting people if anyone knows knows Loughborough um that's in that's in Nottingham isn't it it's close to Nottingham it's just south of Nottingham it's actually in between the three cities uh, the three big cities in the East Midlands Derby Nottingham and Leicester so for the Americans listening just think Robin Hood and you're in the right place totally totally think Robin Hood if you see the word Loughborough anyway you it's very rare that anyone can actually pronounce it because it's got the same letters twice but uh, in the same order but with two different pronunciations so it's quite a tricky one sorry i i, I deviated <laughs> <laughs> no my pla- to be honest i've forgotten where i got up to so yeah so we're basically we're based in the east midlands um there's uh i guess three main things that i do um i have a small marketing agency called like mind media in loughborough um and we've specialize in sort of content marketing but content that's based on research and that drives conversations particularly we've got a whole sort of process that we follow for that and then um, I have an annual marketing event called marketed live in Nottingham every September uh, which is really taken off really uh, and that's uh, one of the big things that, that we do and then there's there's me and things that I do like speaking and uh, writing and workshops and things like that. I'm really interested because obviously before I have a guest on and I start recording I do a little bit of research and you run your own small agency now but you used to work for a giant company and you weren't really in there marketing space as such so i'm curious to know what that transition story was if you know what i mean yeah it's it's quite it's quite an interesting one i think uh so i spent a large part of my career uh, probably about 15 years really working in the crm space uh, and and worked for uh, and and with many different 
CRM solutions. Um, started off with something called Goldmine. I mean, I don't know if anyone remembers that, but that was, you know, we would go around and ins- install CDs on people's uh, tower <laughs> machines in offices and things like that. And uh, worked with Sage CRM, Microsoft CRM, done a bit of work with Salesforce, but was predominantly in the CRM space, so customer relationship management. And over time, I became more of a strategist around that kind of idea of how to build relationships with customers using technology. And to cut a very long story short, the more that that sort of strategist role went on, I would do more um, speaking about it or, 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 or sorts of things but one of the things that that we got into quite early was using social media to talk about these things and uh, in the end I would create all sorts of content videos a lot of social media activity uh, about CRM and technology in general and when it got to the point where I decided that I was going to set up my own business I literally just made a leap really to move from a technology that I knew a lot about to more the platforms that I was using and use my knowledge of, of that um, to, to work with businesses on how they could do something similar. And what was the catalyst for deciding I'm going to start my own business? Because that, when you come from a business with over 800 people in it, that's not a small decision. And I'm sure there was a lot of pressure not to, to do that as well. Uh, well, th- I would say it's, you know, it was a journey. Um, I was quite comfortable, to be honest, doing what I was doing. I got paid quite well and I got the opportunity to, to travel a lot, um, overseas and, and talk about these, these things. Um, and I had, you know, decent house, decent size mortgage, um, three kids and, uh, yeah, it was a com- <laughs> not really, I think, the, the most ideal time in one's life to, to risk all of that and set up my own business. But uh, the, there were a couple of key moments, actually. One was um, I was in a quite a low-quality hotel in the outskirts of Durham, and it was a little bit damp. <laughs> and I was there in preparation for a, a meeting the following day where I was going to sort of talk about the, the, the technology. And, and, and often I would be wheeled in by sales teams to talk about the tech and to talk about the ideas and then wheeled out again and then the salespeople would, would close the, the deal. Now, I always got a small commission for anything that I did, but it was nothing like what the salespeople were getting. So uh, I just found myself in this really not great hotel, meal for one, uh, thinking, <laughs> what, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, there's only one mug here and it's not it's not the sales guy so that kind of made me think well there's got to be something better than, than than this and then the the thing that actually made me do it the the kind of moment I was actually at Microsoft's headquarters uh, in the UK uh, doing this event and there was an ask the experts panel at the end and someone took a photo that was posted on social media uh, of me talking and the ask the part of the image was sort of cropped from the picture, not on purpose. So there was just this picture of me with the word expert. And I thought, I am. Now's the time. So that was was what made me do it. So again, another thing I'm quite curious about is 
a lot of people, they start their own business after working for very similar businesses. Um, so people will come up through a small marketing agency and then they'll start another small marketing agency. Um, and they tend to work for the same kind of clients that they were working for at the last agency. And it's quite rare that people manage to break out of that. Um, so I'm curious to know what your first clients looked like. Um, well, there's there's a there's a bit of a gap in the story which I'll I'll fill you in on because uh, when I decided to to leave uh, the sort of CRM space uh, and decide to 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 work in social media, it it wasn't as a consultant or doing any kind of services. The idea um, came that we could use uh, social media uh, data specifically. Um, you know, all this it, it sort of I sort of realized that there was lots of people just posting content and that all of it was was data. And I thought, you know, there must be a way to use some of this data. And what I was actually doing was was building an app and I um, worked with the developer to to build an app. It was called Thrive. Um, still own the domain. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was called Thrive. And it, the, the idea was that it would effectively pull in data from social media and look for clues to uh, for, for people saying that they needed something so you know I don't know I need a yellow pencil uh, was always the example we gave when we were trying to sell it so I need a yellow pencil um, you sell yellow pencils so search for people wanting a yellow pencil here you go here are some here are some leads effectively using this new thing called called social media now as it turned out Mining people's social media data was not a great idea. <laughs> um, not that we were doing anything that we couldn't do legally. Nothing was illegal. We were just using the APIs from from the platforms. It's just that in the end, I think they realised that that was a bit of a dodgy thing to to do. Um, so that that app just didn't go anywhere really. And and uh, to get revenue to eat. Um, we needed to, to, to pivot and, uh, and adapt. And the one thing that I knew that I was good at was getting in front of people because I'd been doing it for so long and talking to people about all of this kind of stuff. So to fill the gap, I uh, went out and did consultancy on how to use social media, um, how to use it more effectively, how to how to look for clues, just using like you know Twitter advanced search and all the rest of it. Um, and... I soon realized that I was making more money doing that than building this app and that that was a little bit of a waste of time. So um, ditched the developer and became a consultant, really. And who who were the first clients as a consultant? Not, not naming names, but what would a typical client look like? They were very small, actually. So... Um, they were, well, they were very small, but actually the, the, the clients that we were talking to for this app were really quite big and it became obvious that they needed help. So there was some opportunity to work with um, some really well-known um, charities in particular, um, but, but other brands that if I name them you would, you would recognise. But um, other than that, it was really small. So I would go networking. Uh, and uh, just talk to people there and people needed a little bit of help and they tended to be small businesses, maybe, um, you know, solopreneurs or um, maybe like a, a local accountancy firm or something like that, maybe 20 people. Uh, and I would just talk talk to them and offer them some consultancy, uh, reasonably low 
prices in terms of day rates and things like that um, just to just to get somewhere? Um, so fast forward to, to 2019, what has changed in terms of the clients that you work with? Are you still doing much the same thing for much the same people or have you really sort of focused in on one particular thing for one particular kind of client? Uh, I, I have never found the niche. You know how some people, you know, niche into a particular market and they say, you know, I do, I do um, marketing for uh, fish and chip shops or whatever it is. Uh, I've never really found that particular niche. And I think that's partly because one of the things that I like doing and I know that I'm good at is going into a business and saying, okay, well, this is how it could work for you. Again, that ties back to what I was doing when I was in the corporate world. You know, they're all very different, and you know, this is this is how it could work for you. So, so I've always got on well with 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 that. I think the difference in terms of clients that we work with today, now that we're um, five people in the agency, is that um, the clients tend to be larger in terms of their turnover um, and their brand recognition. Um, not not all of them. We've still kept a lot of our small clients, but. Uh, then some of our small clients have fallen by the wayside, either by by our choice, some by their choice, uh, some by nobody's choice, um, because they've gone bust or something like that. But um, yes, I would say over time we have moved to clients that are uh, a larger, and the scope of what we do is larger as well. I think what I'd like to talk about now is obviously I know about Bizpal because you're pretty high profile online and. You also run your own conference. So I'm interested to dig into that because I think for a lot of people, those are personally quite challenging things to do. And you, you've been doing a lot of speaking from quite early in your career and you continue to do that. But focusing on the speaking for a little while, what contribution would you say that's really made to the, the agency side of the business? That's a really good question. Uh, I've done some analysis to try and work out what the value is of it. And uh, it's fairly clear to me that speaking generates leads for, 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 for us. And I, I assume that that is because um, if I'm sharing knowledge, I'm, I'm also demonstrating knowledge. And, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the person in the room that's got that, that particular knowledge. I tend to get more... Uh, leads and opportunities from speaking when I'm speaking at an industry-based event. So, for example, I, I spoke at the British Floristry Association conference. Well, most of the content there is about building your floristry business. Um, some uh, talks are about flowers and uh, what the latest trend is with tulips and things I don't really understand. But I was the guy talking about marketing or uh, I think I was talking about Instagram in particular on, on that occasion. So I become the person in the room that's got that knowledge almost exclusively. So I'm the person that they gravitate to. Whereas I suppose if I was talking at a marketing event, you know, it's full of marketing people. So uh, talking to my peers doesn't generate business but talking to industry does mm. I, that's i think when i think of speaking i always think in terms of sort of marketing insider events so things like your event or atomic or youpreneur and things like that i tend not to think about other events because my challenge with 
And I think the challenge of a lot of people in the industry is what do they have to say that's new? And there isn't very much that's new to say about digital marketing. There's there's odd techniques and tactics. But actually going out to other industry events, that puts a very different complexion on things. And it's, I say it's really clever, but it frankly slapped my face. It's really obvious as well. Well, I think the um, the, the, the difference really is, is actually some of the, the content. So um, I, I am a learner. I've always learned stuff. I like learning. I seek it out. I do a lot of reading. Um, and... Uh, I get bored quite quickly of hearing the same the same thing. So I'm not really that interested in um, going somewhere where someone's going to tell me how to how to use Twitter more effectively. Because without sounding like a complete douche, I think I know how to do that. Whereas um, you know, learning how a, a particular industry works gives gives me quite a lot of of ideas. So. Um, I think the other thing about talking at an industry event is that it's it's almost easier to give examples to those type of events because take the floristry example. If I'm talking about um, if social media to, to florists, my examples have got to involve florists. They've got to involve video of flowers um, or YouTube stuff about how to tie bouquets or, or whatever it is to, to make it relevant so that it um it's it's interesting to to those people in the audience that that i think is is cool to be able to 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 do that um i think there's a lot of marketing events and aimed at marketers and one of the things that we try and do at marketed live is really try and up the level of, of the content so that it's not the same yeah i think one thing i also see you doing really well is things like instagram live not instagram live rather instagram stories things like that I think for a lot of people, the idea of hitting that button and you're on, you're talking, it, there's a quite a mental hurdle there. I'm curious to know, as somebody who does it frequently, what that process is for you. Because obviously there must be a process that you go through mentally, even if it's a short process. Um, how do you decide what you're going to do? Um, here's the shocker. <laughs> I don't, I mean, obviously I must have a process, but my, my Instagram stories are, are not thought out. They, they are random. A lot of what I do, I would say is, is, is pretty random. Um, the, the, the stuff for, you know, our agency and marketed live and anything that we would do for clients is, is very much considered and, and thought out. But, uh, for me, um, I, go on Instagram stories when I feel like there's something worth saying. And sometimes that can be, you know, a, a photo that I've taken of the TV or of something that's on with a comment or something that I've received. Uh, but sometimes I might have something to say and I might sort of tell people what that is, what's, what's on my mind. I think what I try and do throughout is... Um, to be fairly casual about stuff and, and not to get too serious, to use the features that are part of stories like filters and writing and um, the ability to add sarcastic comments and stuff like <laughs> that and, and just try and have fun. I think I got distracted a little bit with that question because it popped into my head and sometimes I have no filter. Be the question I should have asked at this point is very similar. 
uh, you do a lot of public speaking and I think a lot of people aspire to do public speaking for many of the reasons you explained. It's a very good way of building a personal brand. Um, it's a very good way of generating leads if it's done properly. What sort of process have you developed for pulling a talk together? Because it's not something you can do without a bit of thought. Sure. Uh, yeah, that is a good question. Um, so my process uh, has definitely evolved as I've, I don't know, since I guess since I've become more professional at it. Um, I think if you get paid to do something like that, definitely puts pressure on to make sure that it's spot on because you, you're effectively delivering something. Um, so that's that that generally focuses the mind. But my process um, starts off with really trying to understand what it is that the audience wants. So if it's a you know if it's an industry uh, gig, then um, what is the industry? What are they talking about? What are the issues relating to them? So I, I guess the first thing is is research, so that I'm I'm going to hit the the, the market. Uh, you know, I could go and talk to the British Forestry Association about chatbots, right? It's not relevant to them. No, no one's anywhere near there yet. So, um, so that would be a mistake. So I look at the audience. Um, then I uh, I have a notebook and I literally sketch out some ideas and choose a topic and a provisional title. And then after that, um, what I do is I uh, get pieces of paper. I mean, you couldn't do it on you could do it on post-it notes, um, but I get sort of a six pieces of paper and I draw. So I draw effectively pictures that represent what I'm thinking about. Now, these pictures could then be slides, potentially, but at this stage, they're just pictures. And then I put some notes on the back, and then I look at those, and I go, right, is that any good? What do we need to change? And then uh, over time, I pull out pictures, um, I make some more notes, and then I try and tell a story. Uh, I try and do that in three parts, so the whole three-act structure thing, so beginning, middle, end, you know, try and create some light and shade uh, in that story, uh, make sure that I've got things that they need to do, because, uh, you know, as inspiring as a talk may be, I think people want something to do, so I make sure there's uh, in that, and then that's when I put slides together, and then I just rehearse, and I rehearse until uh, I know it. Do you know what? I don't rehearse with the slides. I rehearse with the pieces of paper. Yeah. And how long does that process normally take you from start to finish? It probably varies. Right. Uh, yeah, it does vary. It, it varies depending, uh, this probably sounds terrible, but it, it, it depends on how important I think it is. So yeah. Marketed Live is, you know, the, the, it's, my, it's my conference. Um, I'm on stage all day introducing and, and hosting. So people see a lot of me and I do the first session. So that is probably the talk that I put a lot of effort into. Um, it would be, it's very rare that I do the same talk twice. I might be asked to do the same thing or I might do something similar, but I'm not, I'm not somebody that just repeats the same talk because I really do want to make it appropriate to the audience. So I'm always adapting. Um, so I do practice for each, each uh, talk. Um, I would probably start writing something about two months out from when I need to deliver it. That's a nice concrete answer. <laughs> There's lots of really good value detail in there. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again because it's. I like the visual element of pulling it together. That's, that's how I would work. 
It's quite a recent thing that actually uh, for for a long time I would I went through periods of like writing a script and not learning it but but learning it enough so that I can throw that away and just and and reel it off. Um I am a fan of being rehearsed enough that you not that you do it verbatim but you learn it enough that you can then ad lib on the day. Yeah. That that you actually have to learn it quite well for that I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd say so. I need to know uh, what I'm talking about. So I'd like to roll back to the conference now. The market marketed live conference. I heard really good things about this year. I didn't go because obviously I'm always late to the party, finding out about anything. Tell me a little bit about who comes to the conference. Do you have a a conference avatar, if you like? We do. I mean, I'd love to say anybody, and anybody should come. Um, but uh, yes, we we do. I think we've focused it now on um, people. Well, it's people who work in or have a really big interest in marketing because that is what it is about. It's about marketing, uh, and it's not about um, business development. It's not about um, how you can manage your your workload. You know, so it's not it's not it's not something like say. Uprene uh, or, or Atomicon, where there's lots of different topics to, to to help the businesses that that are there. It is a marketing event, and all of the topics relate to marketing um, and, and marketing activity. The type of people that we get then are uh, people who work in house in a marketing department, work for a business. We get people who own businesses that do their own marketing. We get freelancers who are consultants in marketing, and uh, we get people from agencies as well. And how, how many people were there last year, this year? Well, you know, it's a reasonably small conference. It's, uh, we, I think we've had like 160-odd uh, people there. I mean, we sold out this, this year. It's basically in a big concrete box. Uh, <laughs> the Nottingham Contemporary Art Gallery, it's their performance space, which looks really cool. Um, and we get to project like floor to ceiling as well, which is nice. Yeah, that's very cool. I think I, I actually prefer a smaller conference. There's much more opportunity to meet people in a smaller conference. And I think people are slightly less stressed. I agree, actually. I mean, I think the one thing that we've learned, because this, this was our third year this year, we didn't set out to build a community. We just wanted to put an event on. But what we found is that we've, got a community and we've got that because I think we're consistent with what we put on I think the quality is high and we have um, it cabaret style we could fit more people in if we did it theatre style but actually the round table element has become important to us because people get to know each other make new friends on their table um, we, we really want to kind of push that a little bit bit more we're thinking of things that we can do in the the interim I'm really keen for people to write for us i'd really you know if anyone is listening and they want to write for marketed live uh you know please send me an article and we will put it up on there and distribute it because um it, it's it as well as the event you know the the website can become a great hub of knowledge and people sharing their stories and sharing what they do and that's that's great as a marketer because no one knows it all no, absolutely not. And I think that's the one thing with this industry is if you think you know it all, you're probably the stupidest person in the room because the industry changes every single day. Um, there's always new things to learn. And that's one of the things that has almost certainly driven your success is 
as you mentioned, you're always learning, constantly being a student. Without that, you're inevitably going to fall behind a hundred percent a hundred percent and and you know without getting on a bit of a rant but it picks up on something that you said earlier about um you know, it's, you know the difference between like say small agencies and and medium and larger agencies that um we've found when we've tried to look at you know who comes to the conference and who gets the most out of it uh, i think i think people who are freelancers and, and working in a business uh for marketing get loads and loads out of it but what we found with agencies is that we really tried to push it to agencies and there are a lot of the big agencies who simply said we don't need it we don't need to learn anything else because we know it all basically and they don't i, th- I think that's the difference between a large agency and a, a smaller micro agency is large agencies their job is to get paid and deliver enough value to get paid whereas the micro agency has to be delivering more value um, and the only way you can do that is having fresher knowledge and better execution because otherwise people will just use the big agencies absolutely and i think um what i find with small agencies as well and this is this has been borne out by marketed live too that that smaller agencies and freelancers of this world they are much more into collaboration much more willing to share or say look actually this is my area of expertise you've got this how can we work together how can we work with some um clients you know i've got this client and we're not great on ppcs but but you are so how can we work together to really help this client improve their business and that's what i love now there's one area i would like to ask you about which you have particular experience with that those people who are looking to build a small agency will have to contend with at some point and that's other people teams as dave ramsey is quite famous for saying there's two kinds of team there's staff who arrive late they steal from you while you're there and then they go home early and then there's a team where everybody's pulling together everybody's genuinely aligned and working towards a clear goal together and it's really quite difficult to get that balancing act right because if you don't get the hiring right you do end up with the former how have you found that obviously i don't know if you've got your team behind you listening it might be tricky um but you kind of you know where i'm going with that yeah yeah um team is really important uh you know did i set out to build an agency in the first place no did I set out to build a team of people? No. Have I got one? Yes. Are they amazing? Yes. Why? Because uh, I don't necessarily look to begin with at skills. Skills you can train. Attitude is more difficult. So when I'm looking for who needs to become part of the team, the thing that I look for more than anything is attitude, um are they friendly are they going to be a great fit if they're not a great fit then it causes disruption and that has a big impact on productivity and uh, performance and and motivation so whether someone will fit into the team is is really important they've got to have a great sense of humor they've got to be a good laugh they've got to um uh think you know think i can't believe i just said it think outside the box you know they've (laughs) got they've got to be creative but not just in what they do for for clients i'm i'm happy that they're creative in the work life so everyone here has outside interests whether that's making music running their own youtube channel um 
whether it's being a parent or whether it's um, getting involved in things like roller derby, which is one of my uh, team members' hobbies. Um, I've learned a lot about that. So uh, all, it's, it's all about attitude and, and working together. And I guess the last place I'd like to go is something I try and ask quite often. I think in most businesses, there's a proportion of the work that's naturally inbound through things like content marketing. Then there's referral based business and then there's outbound sales. And then as you're talking about events, which I would probably lump in towards the content marketing mix. Which of those three is the biggest driver for you? And is it in balance or is it sort of disproportionately one over the others? For for us, I would say uh, it it is weighted towards events. So I mean that's not necessarily marketed live, although you know I'll be open and honest. It, it does generate business for us because uh, companies that we didn't know see that we do this event and they want to work with the people who put the event on. So um, does it you know does it generate lots of new business? No, not huge amounts actually. It's not for that purpose. We didn't set it up for that purpose. Uh, it is helpful, and I think having an event does help your profile um, locally and nationally and internationally, particularly internationally, actually. It's quite good going to a conference overseas and telling people that you run an event because then everyone wants to be your friend. Um, but uh, I'd say content is really important for, for us. We create plenty of content. We do a lot of writing and uh, writing based on research as well. So we do a lot of search listening, decide what people want to know and, and create content based on that. But that's a real big deal for us. And I guess, lastly, where do you see the business going? I mean, I, I, I see where you've come from, have a very good idea of where you are now, but obviously you're not standing still. So where do you see the, so this is such a cliched question, but where do you see the business in five years time? It uh, sounds like an appraisal, Bob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got rid of them. Um, do you know, I was reading, I'm reading a book at the moment by uh, the guys who created Basecamp, the project management software. And uh, a lot. It's, it's sort of, it's a very small book and it was kind of a side hustle for, for them. But Is that rework? I think it is. Yeah, I can't remember. Do you know what? It was one of those sort of impulse purchase buys and it was on Kindle and I was like, right, I'm in between books, let's let's read this. So it's, it is very short and I'm scurrying through it. But uh, one of the things that, that they talked about in what I was reading just this morning was about, um, you know, they say sort of don't, don't make plans. Now, I can't not make a plan. I do like a, a, a plan. And there is a bit of a loose plan. I think where, where this is going is, I think we will grow as an agency, but I don't foresee us becoming this big agency. I think the minute that um, we lose, or I lose touch with, with, with people would, would be the moment that it's got, got too big. And actually, I was talking to, um, do you know Daniel Priestley? Yes. Yes. So I was talking. People I was, me on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So I was talking to him <laughs> about uh, uh, the the size of um, businesses and stuff like that, and he says, you know, anything over twelve is, is 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 too big if you want to really stay in contact with the people. And I think I do. So uh, I think it will it will grow, but I don't I don't see it becoming massive. I think marketed live, on the other hand, has a lot of potential. I think what we're doing is different. I think we're really focused on the audience. Uh, it's about curation of the topics and the agenda. And uh, as I sort of do my own traveling, that seems to be the thing that people will hook, hook into. I'd say that's kind of what I'm known more for uh, rather than the agency. 
Paul, you've been very generous with your time and we should probably wrap things up now. We obviously had some technical problems before we got rolling, so I've held you up quite a lot today. But if people want to get in touch with you, how would you like them to do that? Well, uh, I would love you to uh, talk to me and have a conversation on social. So I'm at BizPaul everywhere. My favourite hangouts are Instagram and, and Twitter, um, but you know, feel free to look me up on LinkedIn. You, you, de- you decide. Uh, not a big user of Facebook, I'm afraid, so don't bother with that. Um, but yeah, contact me through through that, uh, and and let's let's have a chat. Um, if you want to check out the event, it's marketed.live, and our agency is likemind.media, and you can see everything that that we do. But but particularly, have a look at the event and see what we've got coming up. Um, and it would be lovely to meet you in person. Thanks very much, Paul. Um, I will hopefully see you again soon. Thanks, Bob. It's been a pleasure. So if you thought the only way to find new clients was networking or content marketing or referrals, then think again. Authority and visibility comes in many forms, and Paul made his commitment to an event, and now it's paying off for him a lot. Welcome again to all the new Facebook group members. There's a lot of this time because I've been very busy on that front. Uh, If you haven't already, then take a moment to introduce yourself to the group. We'd love to hear about you and your business. Also, I'd love you to connect with me on social media. Follow me on Instagram or Twitter where I'm at Bob Gentle. And if you do follow me on either of those platforms, then DM me or tweet me and let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, well, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me. and It's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Biz Paul for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And see you next time. <laughs>